Hey everyone, it's George Wood and I am so excited to be bringing to you finally Passion Tattooed, a brand new podcast all about the love of God and how knowing, experiencing, understanding, being able to perceive the love of God changes everything. And I was able to sit down and start this podcast with Mr. Brian Simmons. He is the lead translator of the Passion Translation Bible. He has become a mentor of mine. He is a hero in the faith, someone who has walked with Jesus for many years and continues to do so with a sense of vigor that I only hope to have at his age. And let me tell you, we get into some really deep conversations. We go beyond this the surface level, the love of God type of stuff that you see on a magnet that's on a refrigerator. We talk about things like death, dying, uh, disease. We talk about what do you do in trauma? What do you do as a leadership team when everything falls apart? We talk about the things that people don't like to talk about when you talk about the love of God. That's not always life though, is it? And so this is the first episode and I hope you will join us on this journey. This is a series of five episodes and who knows, we may even come back with another series after this one. But for now, jump into episode one of Passion Tattooed with Mr. Brian Simmons and myself, George Wood, the Tattooed Pastor. With our unique backgrounds, what was what was your background with your father like, Brian? Uh, he was consumed with making money and business and uh, fairly absent in my life. Um, and uh, now he's 93 and I have a great relationship with him. But growing up, I did not have a very good model you know, he'd come home late at night from work, and if I had messed up during the day, he'd he'd beat the snot out of me. So, uh, you know, kind of a mixed. I want to honor him. I always want to honor my father, but uh, not a clear res- representation of Father God at all. I think we all have imperfect father images that have to be changed, and the only thing that can change that is the Holy Spirit bringing the Word of God into our life where we see God as, as the ultimate perfect father of our soul. Amen. Amen. I think, um, so for me, you know, my father was um, completely absent and, you know, left me when I was, you know, first grade. He, he left my mom for, for a younger woman and then, um, when he left, he took my oldest brother with him, and then my brother died in a construction and recovered. And, and the message that I always got as a child was that he had raised, you know, the four children before me, and there was an eight-year gap in between me and the closest sibling, and he didn't want to be a father anymore. And, and so um, I always longed to have him show up at my, you know, football games or to show up, you know, in my life at all. And and rather, you know, that never happened. And so there was always this absentee. I never knew what a father was. I, I remember um, watching a TV show as a, as a kid. I don't remember which TV show it was, but saying, you know, can't we just be normal like that family on TV? You know, because I had no I, concept, you know, and uh you know, my family being like, well, that's not normal either. I just, I never had no concept of family. I never had any concept of, of father. And so for me, the only way that I knew how to get any type of love at all was through, you know, uh, 
whether it was overachieving in things or whether it was, you know, later became drugs and alcohol, but I never understood how to feel approved and I never understood how to how to feel love from um, from anyone. And, you know, what ended up happening is I it ended up causing me to struggle with relationships with other men, period. And so and I'm still weird in relationships with other men. I still have to fight to be able to to be close with other men, to be, um, you know, physically or, you know, emotionally close, because it's just it's just a concept that is so, you know, different to me um, because of the way that I was I was raised. And so being raised in that environment and then plus being a Catholic um, I was raised Catholic and I was raised in a highly dysfunctional home. And so I always believed I was I've always known there was a God. I just knew that he didn't love me and, and was angry with me. Um, but I knew there was always a God. I, I was told that there was a God and I was probably going to be going to hell at a very young age. And so you take for, you know, that's literally, you know, that what I was told. And so you mix the two. Um, and so got this distant absent father and then you got this religious belief that the god that does exist doesn't love you um causes you to you know grow up and and just say to heck with all of that i'm just gonna do my own thing right but here's the interesting thing and i said well i really love the idea of this conversation and multiple conversations uh about this because it's such a vast wide topic is that even after coming to jesus all right even after getting sober and finding, you know, you know, salvation, you know, understanding Jesus on the cross, understanding the gift of grace, understanding all of that, I found myself years later not knowing Father God. And so I, I was already a, an ordained pastor, I, but the idea of Father God, the heart of the Father, the love of the Father— um, was not something that even as a ordained pastor, counselor, sober minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, did I understand? Because it just—it's so much bigger than a discipleship class. It's so much bigger than um, somebody telling you about it. It's an experience. I believe. I believe it's an experience with Father God. It's. I, I believe that to some degree, the heart of the Father is actually an extension of the kingdom of God. And so when we understand um, the love and embrace of Father God and the heart of the Father, we understand the kingdom of God. Because love is just, I don't know, man, I just think it's just this, the most powerful moving force in the universe. And what greater kingdom than the it's really the kingdom of love right you know it's yeah. just it's just powerful well you you really nailed it and i think as men uh and women of course but the uh, lack of affirmation from a father you know you think about the love languages that has been popularized in today's christian culture one of them is focused attention and the best thing a father can do for a son or daughter is to focus attention. And that's one of the love languages of people. 
Uh, I think my, my uh, middle daughter, that's her love language. Just time spent with focus, attention. Just me, just her, to ride in the car, go to the store together, to sit on the couch, ask her how her day went. Those are the things that I see filling her tank. Well, think about it with God. Does he not give us focused attention? Does not our Father give us focused attention? And then another love language is uh, touch. And <laughs> thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit who touches our emotions, touches our heart. And the Father's embrace, like you mentioned the prodigal son story, it's actually the prodigal father. Prodigal just means excessive. Of course, the son was excessively sinful like we are, uh, were, but the, the excessiveness of that story is the extravagant love of the father, how he searched him out, he was waiting, he saw him a long ways off. Everything in that story brings God's uh, touch and his meaningful love languages into our life. It's I'm so thrilled to, uh, to handle the word of God as a Bible translator, and I'll never forget. People ask me, what was one of the highlights? Prodigal son. I felt like I was there, George. I was there when the son came approaching the father, the father running after him with his, you know, kicking his heels and jumping for joy that his son was coming home. And the moment they embraced, you know, it's like I could smell the dirt and the grime on the son. And the father kept kissing him. The Greek text means over and over. He didn't just kiss him. He kissed him over and over. He smothered his son with kisses. So there's that touch. There's that focused attention. And, and he, he served the son uh, that came back. You know, he, he, he made a feast just for him. And, and uh, it riled up the religious spirit of the older brother. But uh, everything about the father's love is extravagant. And we're suspicious in our heart that when the father knows who we really are, he'll turn away from us. And that suspicion has to be crushed. And that's why we, as men, have problems with other men. Because if we've had a poor male father image issue, then we project it onto our relationships with other men. And we think, well, if they find out about me, they're out of there, they're, or they're, they're going to uh, use information against me. And that suspicion that we have deep in our heart that father is, uh, that there's a mean streak or there's abandonment down the road, or that it's not all what he says is true. Like my, you know, I had ex experience with my father where I had so many broken promises and I had to learn not to trust and not to believe him when he would tell me he'd come to the game and he never showed up or he would pick me up at school and I'd end up walking a couple miles home because he, he had a business engagement and never told me. And, and broken promises, it made me bitter down deep towards my father because, uh, you know, I just couldn't believe his words. And we project that, I did anyway, onto God's words. Like, wow, how can I believe that it's all that good to be true, you know? And over time, I've walked with, with Father God for 51 years, uh, actually uh, 52 years as of <laughs> August the 8th. And I've found that he is trustworthy. He's faithful. So we have love languages, but let me tell you, I could be wrong, but here's what I believe, George. I truly believe God has a love language, and it's trust. When we trust him, 
And this is why he wanted Israel to, to follow, to listen, to obey, which is a measure of trust. And so in the New Testament, it's believing in Christ. It's following the Lamb of God. It's trusting in the promises. I really, in my experience, I have found God's heart open to me the deepest when I trust him in pain. I trust him in the dark. I trust him when I have nothing else to rely on. And when I do, I, I just feel his heart surge and swell towards me. And he responds with power, with promises fulfilled, prophecies fulfilled. So to trust the love of God. Uh, John writes in 1 John, we rely on the love of God. I like that. And so Father God is waiting for us to start trusting his love more. That's beautiful. I, um, I'm going to run something by you. Um, I lead a... Um, men's group on Thursday mornings at my house with some men I've walked with for a long time. And this morning, um, something came up and um, it's kind of a shocking statement, but to some, you know, to some degree, God is a figment of our imagination in the sense that we can believe the creed, we can believe everything about God, but how we picture God in our head is our imagination how we and so when we understand that the god that's in our imagination was created by us we have to somehow figure out how do we take that created figment of an imagination to to align it with the true heart of the father because when you come from a really broken background and you have a, a lot of baggage there's a good chance that that figmented God imagination isn't actually aligned with the true heart and of the Father God. And so when when we know that trust being one of the love languages of God, part of why we don't trust is because that figment imagination is incorrect. Well, we got to get the right the right picture. We got to get the the biblical model. And like all of us, it's the renewing of our mind, it's the transforming of our heart, our attitudes, our thoughts. And I, I think I wanted to mention also, George, I think the Old Testament concept of God is a blurred image in our minds that, it, you know, we, we have a, a view of God that can be austere, distant, a little hard to please, uh, quick to punish when those things are not true. And then there are some people who actually say, don't even read the Old Testament. It's a different God than the God of the New Testament. And that's heresy. That's, that's just not right at all. <clears throat> the God of glory is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus models perfectly the father's heart to us. So we can never interpret Father God apart from the image of Christ, apart from the love example that Jesus has given us. Because he's the son of God. He you know, he's, uh, he represents fully. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. He is the visible expression of the invisible Father that we all have. So when we get the image of God clarified and in right focus, it will look exactly like Jesus Christ. It's interesting because when we trauma um, can often shatter a sense of our identity um, the brokenness that that happens to us. Here's something that a lot of people don't realize. I, it, 
people are just now starting to understand that trauma can lead to addiction. But what we don't often recognize is that when people are in their addiction or in their mental health breakdown, um, in the struggle, we often inflict a lot more trauma onto ourselves. And so there's the trauma that led to our broken self-image, but then there is this whole other version of um, brokenness that happened afterwards. And so being able to restore oneself can only begin with understanding who the father truly is, because then the father, and this is where that acceleration comes in, when the true image of the father can speak into that broken vessel of a man, that person who's been through whatever, no matter where that trauma may have come from, those words can accelerate the healing. Those words can awaken me to my true self once again, which in my brokenness and in my trauma, I've become asleep to who I really am or blind to who I really am, whatever metaphor works best. But the reality is the true heart of the father, the reason accelerated transformation can happen and it can only happen through the true version of the father speaking that love language, that love word of love into us. And I believe that that's when identity can be restored. That's when healing can begin to happen and recognizing, you know, our value as human beings. I, you know, I, look at it this way. It's like confirmation, affirmation, recognition, and validation cannot be overstated. It cannot be overstated. Absolutely. And, and man, amen. My heart's just jumping with excitement as you share these things. Uh, One of those love five love languages coming back to that. One of them is words of affirmation. Yes. And that I, as I found in my life, I had so many words of put down, so many, you know, and uh, legitimately, I mean, I, I, was, um, I was just not a good person. I'll just put it that way. Everything about me was bent towards evil, and I kind of embodied the words that were spoken over me. But when I became a believer and the love of God and those words of affirmation. I remember years back, we were in the jungle as missionaries and I had a cassette tape. Remember those? I had a cassette tape with, I think it was Bill Bright was reading some of the scriptures of Psalms and different things about God's heart for us. And it had some music in the background. I would, I would play that tape until it wore out. I'd go to bed at night playing that because I felt so weak as a missionary, so unable to change anybody's life, let alone the people uh, that I was sent to minister to. So uh, I needed those words of affirmation. And here I am, 72 years old. Guess what? I still (laughs) enjoy it when my wife likes my breakfast, when I cook her breakfast and she likes that. Oh, I I love it. It was like worth getting up early, preparing all the omelet, the, you know, the vanilla cinnamon pancakes that I make her and all that stuff. Because, not that I was wanting a reward necessarily, but it, it made everything worthwhile. And that's what God's word does to us. It makes our trauma, it makes our pain, it makes the pressure of life worthwhile. 
Mm -hmm. Because we have something better. We have on the other side of this, we have a loving father that celebrates you because you woke up today, not because you do anything good or, you, you know, great. You just woke up. You got out of bed today and you hear an attaboy. You know, you know that the father loves you just because you live, move and have your being in him. Amen. You know, um, as we we think of it in those terms of, you know, the word of affirmation, um, I think another thing that, that can happen is, is it, what's so beautiful about God is that it's it, it, he appears in areas that we would never have thought he could appear in. And he, you know, when we, maybe we come to Jesus, we know we're a sinner, we know where our life is broken. You know, that's, that's why typically most of the you know, evangelistic techniques, you know, they revolve around telling somebody how bad or how evil they are and, and they need Jesus, right? But the reality is sometimes it's just the way that we live and how we see other human beings. And it's so it's not necessarily, you know, necessarily evil or not evil. It's just the way that we, we, we look at relationships or the way that we um, trust or don't trust people, the way that we communicate with others. Um, it, so, you know, they're just, it almost is like who we are. And, and and so it's not like an evil, sinful condition. It's just, I don't trust other human beings or I look at relationships as, you know, marked by what they bring to me or what they don't bring to me, um, how we value them. And I think one of the most powerful things about when we, and that's why a lot of people that don't understand the, the true heart of the father, even as Christians still struggle with these things. And this is why it's so powerful about like understanding the heart of the father will cause you to reframe how you view relationships and how you trust or, you know, how you view trust, understanding that heart of the father, instead of like so often people come to, to be a Christian and they make this long list of sins they got to stop doing or things they got to stop, you know, believing in or whatever it might be, but it's like a checklist but the reality is, is like understanding the belovedness of the father towards you, the, oh. the the heart of the father towards you. That is what causes you just to reframe the way you look at life and, and relationships and everything around you. Not because of a checklist of rules or things you shouldn't do to be a good Christian, but because you feel loved, you feel accepted, and you don't yeah. have to you don't have to look skeptically at everything you don't have to be insecure towards everything you don't have to have constant anxiety that the world is going to be pulled out from underneath you because you understand the heart and love of the father in a way that reframes all of that which transforms yeah. all of that and and it changes yeah, and, every aspect of your life and i, I want to kind of slightly add one thing to that is how we see others, relationships, etc., but also how we see ourselves. Religion will tell you that you're a worm, that you're a sinner in thought, word, and deed every day. And you know what? The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9. That's the old life, though. That's the old. I have a clean heart. I have a new heart. My heart is not des desperately wicked. My heart is refreshed, renewed, restored day by day by grace. I have Christ living in me. And I'm telling you, I'm not perfect. Of course, no one is. But how we view ourselves radically changes. 
there's such a reverse humility that actually is pride when we focus on ourselves and we put ourselves down and we focus on the trauma we focus on every failure of our life keeps us up at night that's self-condemnation but the bible says there is now therefore no mm -hmm. condemnation and if anybody could condemn you it would be god himself and he will not so why mm -hmm. in the world would would a believer walk one minute in self-hatred self-condemnation you know feeling like you're a worm like you're you're not good enough unqualified none of us are so we get past that second corinthians 3 5 none of us are sufficient in ourselves to think of ourselves as capable or competent but grace and spirit have made us new covenant ministers of the gospel so we do have a changed heart don't let people take you back to bc don't mm. let them take you back to who you were and remind you the religion wants to remind you of your past remind you of your sin and grace does not father god embraces you loves you i, I like to say he loves the daylights into you <laughs> and he wants you to know that embrace and of course jesus comes and sings the sweet melodies of love over our life holy spirit deep into our spirit being no condemnation no miscalculation no intimidation no separation we have a oneness with god our union with christ can never be broken i love that there you know the, the, just the beauty of that the, there is no separation i know um you know the the power of that to somebody who is fearful often cannot be overstated it's when we're afraid that we're going to be cast into exile and and pushed aside understanding that there you know there will never be this separation is is a powerful aspect of being able to stand firm when trials come our way one one of the things i love about what you just said you were talking about don't let people bring you back to the bc don't let religion bring you back to the bc but i would even go a step further and say that with the father's heart he allows us to transform our past okay it's it's the power of the testimony right you know that he loved not them lives is to shrink from death right the the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony but it's even more than that. There, you know, when we see in Scripture, we see in, in, in Romans 8 where it talks about that, it, you know, we bring all things together for the good of God, for those who love Christ Jesus. I don't think it's just for in the middle of our, our issue, like that's a good verse to look to. I think we can actually know the heart of the Father and know that everything has already been brought to the good of Christ. So all that I've been through has already been brought into the good of Christ Jesus. So all of my experiences, all of the pain that I've been through, it's already been made new. It's already been brought good, transformed into something that is good. So it's not just that I can look at my life and look at the struggles that I might go through or that I am going through. I can look at everything that I have been through and I can recognize that that has already been transformed. And there is a purpose from that transformation, from the pain that I've been through that wow. is already done. And that is the heart of God. Boom. Yeah, the Puritans always taught that God doesn't love the lovely. God's love makes you lovely in his eyes. Mm. 
And, you know, to know that it's like everything you and I are saying here today, which is so incredible. Uh, it's all in Romans 8 and Luke 15. If those two chapters, if people would just read that, I mean, Romans 8, mm -hmm. man, drop the mic. It just, it just shuts the door to every self-condemnation. Uh, you know, it mentions about all things working together, which is what you're, you were just saying that God redeems the trauma, redeems the pain, and makes something beautiful out of it. Uh, you know, nothing could be better than those two chapters, except maybe Song of Songs. But that we'll do that some other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think people fully grasp um, how powerful love is in this universe, and I think as human beings, we are. Um, more susceptible to understanding rules and regulations and black and white love supersedes all of that. I believe that um, understanding, uh, you know, when we look at all the different people in our lives, you know, parents and friends and communities that, you know, their love impacts us. The love of the Father, it's, I had this image this earlier this week, Brian, when I was praying about this meeting, I had this image of a, almost like a pyramid, and and in, and instead of like from the, the base up, it's from the point down, and at the point is the, the love of the Father, and it's like singular focus and power at the, as the point, everything underneath that has to be multiplied in order to equal that point and it still can't equal that point so where you got the love of the father it takes you know to feel that it's going to take you know 10 good friends or good parents it's like everything has to be multiplied to equal that one point which everything trickles down from that and so when we don't understand that or when we don't feel that or know that about us or know that about god we try to live without that point of that pyramid and we try to fill the love that we all need with other things. But that point, that singular focus of the love of God, the heart of God for us, when we come to know it can just abolish everything. It, it just supersedes all other love that we have. And that's why like everything accelerates when you know that the heart of the father for you it just accelerates all other things because it is so much more powerful. I think we're creative. We're supposed to, we're, you know, as children, we love our parents or we're supposed to feel that love of our mother and that love of our father. And we know that that is, you know, an image of the love of God that it comes short, but it's still supposed to be like the image of the love of God for us. But imagine, you know, that, that power of God, creator, God is so much more powerful. It's that, that pinnacle, that point of that pyramid that just supersedes all other relationships and all other things, which is why no matter how broken a person's life might be, if they can grasp that point, they can be healed. Wow. Man, you have said it. You, you dunked it right there. Boom. <laughs> wow. That is so true. I just, I, I just love Papa God, Father God. Abba, uh, you know, there's currently there's some scholars out there saying that Abba isn't really as endearing as, uh, you know, they're crazy. Abba is an Arabic <laughs> word that 
is a word that a little child, little infant would say about his, his daddy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's no reason why we couldn't call him Papa or Daddy or uh, Abba, Father. Whatever term you want to use is still going to come short of how beautiful and glorious his love is for us. And he fathered us. We're born from above. We, we have life out of his very womb, out of his very being. He created us out of love to be loved. And the sooner we get that, the sooner we'll walk into emotional wholeness, healthy relationships, and authentic new covenant ministry. Amen. Amen. Um, I will we'll, we'll end on this. This is a, and we're you know going to continue these conversations. And I hope today, I hope the hope the microphone worked. So hopefully everything we got here today, but. Um, I'm going to leave, end with this, though, and, and maybe next time we can talk about this. Before Jesus enters into ministry, he comes out of the water and hears Father God say, this is my beloved son in which I am truly pleased, which empowers him to go into the desert, empowers him to, to face Satan, the devil, and, and, and come out on the other side victorious and begin his public ministry. And so next time, let's talk about that, that word over Jesus, that my beloved son, and how that empowered him, empowered Jesus. And it, and it happens again, but at that, and that, at that juncture gave him everything he needed to go into the desert. And you know, the, the wonderful thing about it is that we are, it says, in him, I am well pleased. And then Paul, 45 times in, in the book of Ephesians, says, in him. Yes. So we are in Christ. And so that way, the Father's well pleased with us. So those words are absolutely true of us as they were of the Lord Jesus because we are in him. Amen. Amen. Well, awesome, man. I thank you so much for your time, Brian. You're an yeah. inspiration to me. And uh, I look forward to continuing these fatherly talks. Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Thank you, friend. All right. <laughs>